Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening everyone, I'm Rick Walker Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel Hello Maverick family and new viewers Good to have everybody back tonight on one of our final broadcasts of 2023, one more day to go before the big ball drops in Times Square. Fireworks are set off around the world, and we enter into a whole new year. I'll tell you, 2023 has been one heck of a ride. Tonight, we'll take a look at some of the top stories that we covered here on this channel over the past year. We'll also take a look at uh, one or two predictions that I made over the past year as well to see if any of that came true. And then we'll look ahead to 2024. And maybe I'll make a couple of predictions. Maybe you will too. Maybe you'll join me in looking into that crystal ball that reveals maybe what might come, what's ahead in politics, in culture, in our lives. Tonight, though, we also have what's happening at this moment in time. We will take a look at escalation between... I keep saying it day after day, further escalation in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Very dangerous situation over there as NATO countries prepare to send even more weapons and funding. And it appears patience is running thin with Vladimir Putin. We'll take a look at what's going on with Israel Hamas tonight as well. And we're going to take a, a, a gander at uh, some energy. Sorry about the freezing, folks. That's the internet again. I don't know what to do about it other than switch providers again. Um, where was I? We're going to take a look at... Uh, I've lost my train of thought because of the, the, uh, the technical glitch there. Well, we have a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of talk about war. Oh, yeah, the entertainment stuff, because there's um, a political element to it, a culture war element to it. And it overlays on top of everything else that is going on. 
We'll take a look at Karima Saad tonight. She uh, is out there on the front lines, continuing to cover protests the way that uh, she always does. I really like a lot of the work that she does. She does. Um, she's actually pretty brave. Her and her camera operator attacked tonight. So I won't show you everything that she did, but I will direct you to her to her work and acknowledge the the hard work that she is doing out there just to bring us truth and uh, an accurate look at the political unrest in the streets. Gold, big box stores, Costco, Walmart, they're actually selling gold. Never thought I'd see that. Why? Why are they selling gold? I would say it's a sign of the times of economic unrest, uncertainty. Even the big box stores are looking for products they can sell with any kind of margin. And they're taking a, a page out of the conservative playbook, the prepper's playbook, I would say. Because it seems like maybe they know something is coming. And that something, I think, is recession, economic downturn. And they are responding to a, a growing market, growing demand for precious metals. As people look for financial stability amid growing economic uncertainty. So we'll take a look at all of that. And we have more. Coming up right here on the Maverick News Channel right after this. Greetings, brave Mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow maybe too late too late too late too late maverick news the, the world, world is, is watching so let's begin tonight's broadcast with this Mark Zuckerberg is building an underground bunker. <laughs> yes, he is. And this is, has been reported now widely in mainstream media as well. Not so widely that it's common knowledge that we're telling you about it here because this sets the, the table for everything we're going to talk about tonight. It says here in this article in The Guardian, the rich can't buy their way out of death, at least not yet. There is that transhumanism thing. We'll see where that goes. 
but it says they can certainly postpone it for a while. All of the pure food and expensive health care and personal trainers that money can buy do indeed keep the wealthy breathing longer on average than the rest of us. Yet it is not death itself that is the great equalizer. It is the fear of death. That is the thing that the highest piles of money cannot safeguard against. The futility of all those meticulous attempts to maximize the blah, 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 blah. Bottom line, Zuckerberg building an underground bunker, an apocalypse bunker in Hawaii. And he is spending some $270 million on the project. It's a 500, or sorry, a 5,000 square foot underground shelter with its own energy and food supplies and what appears to be a blast resistant door. He says, odd, is it not that a man whose primary concern is global equality would need a subterranean apocalypse shelter designed to seal him off from all of the equal people outside who would be presumably burning or starving or being eaten by the zombies? Wouldn't Zuckerberg's powerful passion for enhancing the future of all mankind, compel him to fling open the armored doors to his compound and welcome in all of his fellow Hawaiian Islanders for whom he has the deepest concern and respect, or even simpler, compelled him to have spent the hundreds of millions of dollars that he spent on this tightly secured elitist fantasy land on something a bit more public-minded. I'm sure that his soaring scenic parcel of land would make an excellent public park. The article goes on. You've got the idea. This is uh, uh, partly opinion, partly straight up news from a journalist by the name of Hamilton Nolan. It's an opinion piece, really, in The Guardian. But this has now been acknowledged, confirmed as true. Zuckerberg is building a bunker, a big bunker. A bomb shelter and survival bunker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we saw some of that right, uh, you know, during the Cold War. And now it makes you wonder what they know that we don't. Well, I would say that what they know is what is right in front of our faces, but so many still refuse to acknowledge we are on the brink of a kinetic third world war. And that is expanding tonight, that threat. And the, uh, at the very end of 2023, we have never been closer to an all out nuclear exchange and certainly never closer to World War Three, a real kinetic war, not the kind of war we've been involved in, not just an information war, fifth generation warfare, all out war. And why am I saying that? It's because we've seen over the past just two days, escalation between Ukraine and Russia. We saw some attacks from Ukraine against Russia. Then we saw um, I guess you could say it was retaliation on a massive scale two days ago from Russia on Ukraine. Hundreds of 
drone attacks and missiles, including hypersonic missiles. Joe Biden weighing in with a statement from the White House condemning it. And then yesterday and overnight, more attacks from Ukraine on Russia. And then statements from Russian leaders saying that it's really the UK and the United States that is um, making these attacks against Russia possible by funding and supplying the weapons for this ongoing conflict to Ukraine. So laying blame in that way. And patience is running thin, I think, because you have to remember that when the initial, the very first drone attack occurred against Russia in Moscow, there was great concern that Vladimir Putin might retaliate in a very serious way against not just Ukraine, but maybe even the West. But he dialed it, dialed it down, took a reserved approach to it, and things have continued. But so too have the attacks against Russia within even Russian territory. Also overnight, we saw that um, Poland is saying a Russian missile temporarily entered Polish airspace. Poland is a NATO country. That's a very serious situation. And here's footage of the Ukrainian attack on the Russian city of Belgorod. And with all of the rhetoric that is now following in the wake of this attack, I think we need to be extremely concerned about where this might lead because the finger is now being pointed directly at the United States and the UK by Russia. Here's what it looked like in Belgorod. And of course, we also saw that Russian ship seriously damaged in that uh, attack in Crimea this week as well. So the public's attention, and you can see that there are casualties, there are people down. Um, and that's also why Russia is... Okay, I'll take that down. That is why Russia is uh, so, how shall I put this? So jacked up. Civilians are dying and on Russian soil. So, This this is no longer just a war within Ukraine. This is no longer just a war over territory in Ukraine. The fight has been taken directly to Russia inside Russian territory. And how long do you think Vladimir Putin is going to put up with that before retaliating in some really serious way?
it's been pretty much a stalemate in terms of how much territory has been lost or gained. It's been a, a, a stalemate since about last October, with now some movement taking place again over the past week, week and a half. But it's a meat grinder and casualties continue to mount. In total, about a half a million people have died in this conflict. And those numbers, like all the numbers being thrown around from both the conflict in Ukraine and now Russia and between Israel, Hamas, Palestine, I don't necessarily think any of them are entirely accurate because I've seen even with the with the numbers being thrown around in Ukraine, uh, really wildly fluctuating analysis over who's died, how many children, how many soldiers, what the total number is, and exaggerations, honestly, on both sides. So you have to kind of, I think, take it with all, all with a bit of a grain of salt and try to get an overall broad assessment of it and not peg, put too much credibility lend too much credibility to what you're hearing in that regard. But we've got a serious problem because this signals greater escalation. And if what we have here is growing unrest within Russia, you'll see more public pressure on the government in Russia to react to this because people are now dying inside Russia. And I don't think that the Biden administration is assessing any of this in a way that is in the best interest of the West, the United States, or even Canada. And here you see this headline from Al Jazeera, this recent headline saying that Russia has confirmed that that ship was destroyed in that Crimea attack earlier this week. Ukraine said that that ship was being used to transport Russian drones. It was a carrier, a landing ship. Regardless, Everything is uh, escalating. Um, as a result of all this, Russia has called for an emergency UN meeting after Ukraine went and struck that border city with cluster bombs. Which have been banned by 110 nations under a 2008 UN convention. banning them against the use of, uh, against any kind of civilian targets. And that is exactly what happened there. Somebody maybe has some explaining to do. So I just uh, draw your attention to it because that is where we are at tonight with that conflict. And then 
the um, conflict between Israel and Hamas is spilling over into other countries. We already know that there is a big problem in the Red Sea already where Houthi rebels, called rebels because even though they may be in control of much of the country, they're viewed by the West as an illegitimate government. And they have been launching attacks against merchant vessels in the Red Sea that they say are directly tied to Israel. The United States and allied countries are responding by providing cover and defense for those vessels. It's heating up there. And now we're also seeing that there we've had attacks now in Syria against U.S. forces. And so it's spilling over into that country. And this is a direct, directly related to what is going on between Israel and Hamas. And when we come back, I'll tell you about the risk of escalating terror attacks here in North America, the United States, and Canada. So let me just kind of lay this out in maybe a more understandable way. So here's an article from U.S. Civil Defense News, Captain Coronado. And the assessment here, and this is not, you know, the widely accepted consensus or anything, but this is the, the assessment of this from this alternative news organization. It says, the UK has effectively declared war on Russia with its troops, Navy, and a huge detachment of M16 operatives in Ukraine fighting Russia directly, exclamation point. War isn't coming. It's already here. UK to send fresh missile shipment to Ukraine. The West must redouble its efforts to provide Kiev with military hardware, Britain's defense secretary has said. So you can see that there is that perspective on it. It can be viewed in that way. And I don't think that is entirely unrealistic at all. Um, especially when you look also at this, which I've already teed up. 
and take a look at this situation in Syria tonight. This is um, footage which claims to show a counter rocket artillery mortar, a CRAM system at a U.S. base near the city of Dire as Zor in eastern Syria earlier tonight, attempting to intercept the barrage of incoming rockets launched by Iranian-backed forces. Now, I'm not sure if I should even show you this because I need to confirm if it's true, and I don't want to get the channel taken down again by being duped. So let me just uh, see if there are additional sources for this. Yep. So air raids over eastern Syria near Iraqi border kill six Iran-backed militants. So we do have that confirmation from several different media outlets as, uh, yeah, and that's current. It says three overnight airstrikes on eastern Syria near a strategic border crossing with Iraq killed six Iran-backed militants Saturday. That's today. Two members of Iraqi militia groups have told reporters there, including Associated Press, the strikes on the border region of Bukamal came hours after an umbrella group of Iran-backed Iraqi militants known as the Islamic Resistance claimed an attack on a U.S. military base in northern Iraq's city of Erbil. Uh, the group has conducted over 100 attacks on U.S. positions in Iraq and eastern Syria since the onset of the Israel-Hamas war on October 7th. Can you believe that? 100 attacks on U.S. positions in Iraq. You're not even hearing much about it in the mainstream media. Biden administration doing almost nothing about this. Four of the militants Killed were from Lebanon's powerful Hezbollah group. Well, the other two were Syrian, the militia group members said. Another two were injured. They added, they spoke on condition of anonymity. So let's take a look at the footage. Okay, here we go. And so here's what it looks like. That is footage that claims to be what we're talking about here, those rocket attacks. And I was aware that there were, you know, that we, we had that many attacks against U.S. positions, over 100. But have you heard about it in the media? No, not really. I mean, there are reports out there, but they're not getting much traction or play. You ever wonder why? Have you wondered why? I'm wondering why. I'm not sure exactly why. But if the U.S. is being attacked and the Biden administration isn't making any kind of a deal out of it, if they've been attacked a hundred times, wouldn't you think that he'd be talking about it? 
it might be an issue, might be a national security issue, a military issue, an issue directly re related to what's going on between Israel and Hamas, a conflict that the United States is directly involved in because they're providing funding and weapons and aid, humanitarian aid, to the Palestinians. You'd think that we'd be hearing more about it. Um, but no. And then here's more, an, a further assessment from that same site, U.S. Civil Defense News, where their assessment is, like I said, that Vladimir Putin's patience is running thin. It says, Russia accuses UK and US with active war. Will Russia finally respond to the US NATO proxy war in Ukraine? Will Russia finally take Kiev? Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Here's the quote. British and American consultants were directly involved in organizing the terrorist attack on residential areas in Belgorod, regularly inciting the Ukrainian authorities to commit brutal crimes. The strike deliberately targeted places where civilians gather, particularly families with children. The Ukrainian criminals used cluster munitions to maximize the number of victims in their terrorist attack. The countries of the EU, which persistently and irresponsibly continue to supply the Ukrainian ruling clique with weapons, are also responsible for this. Hmm. And things become more complicated with each passing day. And yet, I kind of feel like there's some clarity coming. Some clarity coming. Maybe. Maybe. I hope so. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Dangerous time. As all of this rhetoric ramps up, it just gets us closer and closer to more, well, an escalated war. Like I just keep saying it over and over again. And I was saying it back when the, uh, the conflict in uh, Ukraine erupted over a year ago. And it's coming here. I keep saying that too. It's coming here. It's coming here. Um, here is a report of a U.S. national from New Jersey who was arrested on terrorism charges. These people are not our friends. You can assess this, you know, in a, a many different ways. Yeah. But the reality is the violence is coming here. Look at this. 
U.S. national from New Jersey arrested on terrorism charges for alleged ties with Somali militant group and threats to conduct bombings in America in support of a Palestinian organization. An individual from New Jersey holding U.S. citizenship is facing charges for allegedly planning to join a Somali militant group and for making online threats to conduct bombings in the U.S. in solidarity with the Palestinian group following their October 7th assault on Israel. The 23-year-old, identified as Karem Nasser, was apprehended on December 14th upon arriving in Nairobi, Kenya. Authorities assert that Nasser intended to connect with members of the Somali group in Nairobi, then proceed to Somalia for training. Prosecutors highlight that Nasser, under the alias Egyptian Muslim on social media, recently expressed intentions of waging jihad on your home turf, hinting at, <clears throat> excuse me, imminent actions in the U.S. accompanied by symbols of airplanes, bombs, and flames. That's the dude. That's the guy. And where he comes from, there are many more. Be careful out there. On the other side of this, I'll show you why. Okay, so why do you need to be careful out there? Because these protests are ramping up there. You got protests and then counter protests. Emotions are running high. So if you go into the streets and you're involved in these or near them, I'm just saying, I think that these things are, are becoming very dangerous because emotions are running so high. We've already seen people hurt and we've seen death associated with some of these protests in the United States. We're seeing violence already and it's going to ramp up. You're seeing arrests being made. We've seen the RCMP in Canada focusing on terrorism domestically more concerned about it, rightly so. And then in um, the Toronto area today, Kareem Assad out there doing what she uh, does very well, which is to cover protests. And I really like a lot of the work that she does. I'm just drawing your attention to um, what she's doing out there. She has quite a few posts up today. 
again. And uh, I'll just run you a couple of little highlights from this pro-Palestinian demonstration, which should be concerning, I think, to all of us, because, again, of the, the heavy emotion involved. <laughs> You think that guy believes in free speech? I love my face to be on the side of the right side of history. I love my face to be on the side that doesn't support the killing of children. Please take a picture of me, put my picture everywhere, let my face be known that I stand for humanity and I stand for people not killing children. So far, 8,000 plus children have died. Please let my face be known to not support this. Thank you. First of all, we're recording. First of all, we're recording because this is a courtesy, so you know. Okay? Yeah. Hello, everybody. I welcome you to record if you want to. She has a question. Her question, I don't mind. My question is, is why don't we stop everybody from congregating in the intersection? Why don't we remove you? I'm going to tell you. For the most part, everybody here has been very polite. This gentleman included. Very polite with us. We're not going to move people when we have a limited amount of numbers. We're just asking everybody to govern themselves as adults and do our best to make sure that everyone has a voice, whatever the voice says. As long as you do that, we're not going to stop you at this juncture. Okay? Thank you. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay. Thank you. Okay, absolutely. That's the answer. It is an answer. It is an answer because ultimately what we're trying to do is promote peace and everybody, given the fact that we are where we are, we're doing our best for everybody to have a voice. Now, obviously, we would prefer if we had a working intersection, of course, but I don't know that we can monitor that or make that happen with the numbers that are here. Instead, we'll do our best to make sure everyone understands our plight. Okay? Simple as that. In other words, first priority is to try to keep people safe and de-escalate, keep people from attacking each other. But it wasn't entirely peaceful, as you'll see here. And again, you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Kareem Assad and her camera guy, because as they continue to cover these protests, and regardless of what the issue might be, th these ones here, these, these protests are 
have been, I think, the most dangerous. And uh, this isn't the, the only time that I've seen them in, in, in harm's way here today. Look at what happened to her cameraman. You ripped my phone. My phone, my phone, my phone. My phone, my phone is stealing my phone. He's stealing my phone. Nobody's stealing your phone. We're trying to get it out of our fucking thing. He just punched me. She's Palestinian. And that's Canada on December 30th, 2023. She has other clips there too. I encourage you to go find her work and, and look at some of the other stuff they did today. Very revealing. Pretty, pretty good account of what happened there on this day. And as we go into 2024, I think things are just going to get worse. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. I don't know how much more I want to say about it. Maybe I'll save my analysis or assessment of all of this for tomorrow. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. We'll dial it back here for now. We have a lot of other ground to cover. Maybe tomorrow I'll... Uh, take a deeper dive into the political strategy and the information warfare strategy and the military strategy being employed by both Israel and Hamas. Because it's, in my view, not exactly what we are seeing on the surface. Everything is upside down.
Everything is upside down. And I'll explain why, maybe, if I can, tomorrow night. All of this happening while Israel is warning about Lebanon border hostilities, saying that the, uh, the time for a political settlement is running out. We're seeing, so we're seeing escalation in Syria. We're seeing escalation in the Red Sea. We're seeing escalation in Lebanon. We're seeing saber rattling in the West from people like Lindsey Graham, John Bolton. We're, we're seeing the hawks, the war hawks calling for escalation, which begets escalation. We're seeing Israel, I think, just take the bait and fall into a huge trap. Netanyahu completely miscalculating the right course of action here, seizing the opportunity to go in and attack in, in, a, in a major escalatory move that has resulted in thousands of civilian deaths. As a result, losing the information war, the PR war, losing the support of so much of the world. Stupid move. And so I will. I'll, I'll talk about it right now. I'll, I'll say this. As Israel takes that and takes it on the chin, I go back to October 7th and I listen I was listening to a lot of the other political pundits, online influencers, political analysts, journalists, many of them very prominent with huge followings, much bigger than me, cheerleading as Hamas did what they did on October 7th, cheerleading, happy about the, the attack on Israel. Oh, I mean, like not even hiding it, like joyful that all those civilians had been killed. And then came the information war that accompanied that in the wake of it, where they kind of, memory hold October 7th and flipped it upside down, found a way to twist the narrative so that it was like, oh, well, they're not really civilians or they're half soldiers or they, they said that Israel was to blame because they didn't, that they stood down and, and it was actually Israel that attacked their own people and the narrative changed. But initially... Those a lot of those same political pundits and online influencers who were so joyful about the attack and the death were 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 happy. I remember one such analyst saying that what he was happy because Hamas had punched Israel in the jaw. 
And it was, you know, in his view, overdue, I guess. He had a whole lot of dead people, but he didn't, no regard for that. It was like they had it coming because they're occupiers. And it's degraded from there. Degraded because Netanyahu took the bait, did a really stupid thing, unleashed fury in Gaza. I mean, Hamas essentially committing an act of war and engaging in an actual war crime, murdering civilians in a cowardly act, mowing people down with machine guns, live streaming it. And yet even as people watched this horrific act, this horrific war crime, it was like uh, people still weren't believing their own eyes, listening instead to a narrative from a media that they think they can trust just because it isn't entirely MSM. So it must be true, or at least their assessment must be honest. But is it moral? I don't think so. It was horrific. But then Netanyahu takes the bait. And they go in there and they, they commit their own atrocious acts. But I'll, I'll say this. There's this different mentality among organizations like Hamas, which is an organization designated as a terrorist organization by the United States, by Canada. And they have a different kind of strategy. We're dealing with an organization that uh, uses suicide bombers to achieve its military goals. They are well-funded, make no mistake. They have lots of rockets, thousands of them to launch at Israel. That's why they need the Iron Dome. And what, what is the strategy? Martyrdom. It's disgusting. This is my opinion. On October 7th, the attack was launched. Whether Israel stood down or not is somewhat irrelevant because Hamas did it. And those people are dead. The other mistake Israel made was, and I don't know that it was directly attributable to Israeli, the people in charge, but certainly some journalists on the Israeli side exaggerated or outright lied about some things and got caught in some of those lies. And so that undermined their credibility and just made it even easier for the propagandists on the other side to accelerate and amplify their message, their anti-Israel message, and then prop themselves up as victims and to discredit everything that Israel was saying. And when the other side's caught in their lies, the other side uses that to discredit them. But as I said, immediately upon 
the attack on October 7th, Israel immediately was losing the PR war, the public relations war. That's where the real battle is being fought. Hamas can't defeat Israel. They don't have the resources. That was a done deal before the October 7th attack, period. Hamas knows that. They knew it. It was a trap. The whole thing's a trap. It's a PR trap. So what is Hamas really doing? What's the strategy? This is the really disgusting thing to me. It's disgusting. And again, this is my opinion. I believe the strategy is martyrdom. They're sacrificing pawns. Sacrificing their own people. They knew that attack on October 7th would result in a massive response from Israel, and they were counting on it. They wanted it. And as they have done so often in the past, they used their own people, the Palestinian people, as human shields, and they continue to do it today. To martyr them, to lure in the Israeli forces and then have that fury unleashed. Their strategy, not to hit back solely with bullets and bombs, but with video footage to chronicle, record every child's death and to amplify and to exaggerate, to make a martyr out of every Palestinian killed, never give up the hostages that they have, not all of them, they've only given up about half, I believe they still have over 100 in captivity. Never giving in to the demands to release all of the hostages. Even when told, this all ends if you just lay down your arms and release the hostages. No. So it continues. And that's sick. And then you have the Israelis taking the bait. Netanyahu and the other leaders calling the Palestinians human animals, also disgusting. Reacting out of emotion and using the attack on October 7th as an opportunity to rid themselves, I guess, in their minds of an enemy. But they're losing and they're stupid to do what they've done because you can't win this conflict with bullets and bombs. All they're doing is planting seeds for a whole new generation of people who will remember what has happened and who will have fear anger and hatred in their hearts for Israel 
in an even greater way than the Israelis have for the people that are being attacked right now, the Palestinians. It's a vicious, unending, no-win cycle. Except that Hamas is winning because in this kind of warfare, the, you, you win by losing. Because you martyr every single victim. And the footage that I'm seeing is so similar to what I remember seeing coming out of Syria just prior to Trump's election, where the United States was being egged on to become directly involved in the conflict in Syria. I remember that boy sitting in the back of that ambulance and that one image went worldwide. And yet we found out that not that the whole story surrounding that wasn't really true. And that that boy wasn't as uh, injured as we were led to believe, covered in soot and dirt, but not as injured in the interview with his father afterward. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about, but you might want to look that up. So much of the same kinds of things here. A lot of what I'm seeing is very real, I think, and some of what I'm seeing is staged. Some of it is being generated with artificial intelligence now. It's difficult to know what's real and what isn't. But I will tell you this. Every single victim is being martyred. It's a strategy. It's fifth generation warfare. It's not entirely new. The, this kind of strategy has been used for a long time, but with social media and the um, and these techniques, it is extremely, extremely effective. Um, maybe I still have it up here. I've been researching some of the history on this strategy. Let me see if I can find what I'm talking about here. Man, maybe I've History by Bernard K. Freeman. Let me bring this up and, and just show you this article that it, it's um, not, not an op-ed. It's, um, it's really a study, an essay, looking at this in depth, really. Martyrdom, suicide, and the Islamic law of war. Short legal history. Religion, it says in this introduction, religion is the mother of war. 
Conflicts involving religion are among the most intractable of human disputes, yet until recently wars motivated or influenced by religious ideologies are being confined to small, well-defined theaters. Europe's 30 Years' War, which ended in 1648, appears to be the only exception in the modern history of warfare. Indeed, in the last three millennia, the world has seen much war, but it has not seen a full-scale religious war of global proportions since the end of the Crusades. There is reason to believe that this state of affairs is about to change. The horrific attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon on September 11, 2001, as well as the Western military incursion in Afghanistan, the invasion and conquest of Iraq and continuing Islamist guerrilla attacks and terrorist violence against military and civilian targets in a variety of countries with significant Muslim populations makes one wonder whether the West may indeed be plunging into a protracted religious war with the Islamic world. Whether or not this is true, it is clear that militant Islam presents profound and difficult challenges for Western political and legal systems. The Islamic world confronts its own significant challenges from both within and without. Muslims seem to be in great turmoil and despair, deeply troubled by the perceived marginalization and demonization of Islamic ideas and norms in Western discourse and by the Arab world's glaring failure to achieve significant progress in scientific, technological, and political realms. There's also deep, widespread anger among Muslims, among the subordination, humiliation, and physical subjugation of certain Muslim communities, especially the Palestinian people in the West Bank and Gaza, known today as the occupied territories. And the use of that word occupied is important, folks. It's pivotal. It's key to the arguments being put forward by the Palestinian side, the Arab world side, the, the people even on the political left, because if you adopt the use of that word, you instantly delegitimize even the existence of Israel and the Israeli government. If you use that word, even here in North America, with reference to First Nations, you delegitimize outright the even the existence of the Canadian and U.S. governments, and even the Mexican government. Honestly, if you and other countries, if you look at the whole of Turtle Island, the use of that word "occupied" is key, and you should also make note of that word because of. It's widespread use through left-wing, neoliberal, woke, even communist organizations, political groups, not all of them, all, but most of them, maybe all of them. And even, even movements like the Occupy movement, Occupy Wall Street. There is branding that takes place within these political groups and even within the political ideologies themselves. There's a thread that runs through all of this. Commonality. 
consistency. We need to be mindful of it to really make sense of all that is going on. Difficult. Only those who really not only pay attention, but pay attention long enough and consistently enough to get a broad view of everything going on geopolitically and domestically in terms of politics, only those people will truly understand, those who really immerse themselves in it. Everybody else, basically they're assessing everything based on headlines without a full assessment of anything, which is dangerous. Those are the people who, they're, they're the low information voters, they're the low information activists, they're the, they're the, they're the, they're the sheep who think they're awake. They're the half awake sheep. Because they, they have no way to know what is really happening. Even I do not fully know everything that's happening. Nobody really knows everything. But I've got one eye open. The other one is at least half open. And I'm trying to open it all the way. Every day I'm trying so that I can help get you guys closer to the truth. And it goes on here and says classical Islamic judicial religious doctrine dictates that when non-Muslim adversaries seriously threaten Islam or Muslim communities because of their Islamic identity, Muslims are entitled to go to war to defend their religion, the community, and the Dar al-Islam. This kind of war, arguably the only kind of war permitted by Islamic law, is described in the classical sources as an important variety of the religious obligation of jihad. The Prophet Muhammad taught that there are two kinds of jihad. The greater jihad involves the individual's constant and eternal struggle with the evil and immoral aspects of the self. This was said by the prophet, so to be much more important than the lesser jihad, which includes inter alia, the military struggle by Muslims collectively seeking to defend the religion or the community. It is the notion of the greater jihad with its emphasis on justice, rectitude, fidelity, integrity, the truth that gives the concept of jihad, its profound meaning in Islamic theology and law. The attitude pervades the entire theory of Islamic law toward all lesser jihadist behavior, including the military jihad and the level of intention and purpose required of the believer in discharging his or her jihad obligations. Obligations. I could read this. It's very academic and it's extensive. How many pages is this one? It goes on and on for 71 pages. We will not take the time to go through it all here tonight, but here's the bottom line. For terrorist organizations, for jihadists to engage in an act of Suicide, to, to make yourself a suicide bomber, to sacrifice yourself is perhaps the greatest honor. How many virgins do you get on the other side of death?
they make use of martyrs. Every suicide bomber becomes a martyr, a hero. Every child being killed becomes a martyr. Every adult being killed becomes a martyr, but children are the Uh, the one thing that really drives the narrative. Dead babies, how much worse can it possibly be? Think back, folks, to, and really try to look at this objectively. And you, we don't have to go back through much history. We can look at just recent events within the last couple of years. Over and over and over and over and over again, every time there's a major issue regarding vaccines. War, pedophilia, human trafficking. It's always about the children. Save the children. Some truth in that, always. But in terms of public relations, information warfare, that's the ultimate. Babies and incubators. What was it that was used to really justify going to war in Iraq? The babies dying in the incubators. Being taken right out of the incubators. The babies, which turned out to be a complete lie. So why is it that after that, when every time we turn around and we're, you hear that, same rhetoric being used over and over and over and over and over again. Why do we always fall for it? Why? Because it's so powerful. It works. Dead. <laughs> What's worse than dead babies? And if you can show dead babies, even more powerful. That's propaganda. That's and propaganda isn't always a lie. Sometimes propaganda is truth on full display and maybe exaggerated. And I've seen both. I've seen truth and I've seen exaggeration and I've seen outright fabrication coming out of both of the current major military conflicts going on. Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, and that word genocide, that's thrown around a lot too, isn't it? Everybody's being genocided. It's all a genocide. Everything's a genocide. Everything. They just, I mean, it's used so much now, it, it hardly even has any meaning anymore. It's like you can't tell what a true genocide is anymore because everything's a damn genocide. The people sure do get emotional about it. Can't think rationally when you're emotional. Can't make good decisions when you're full of fear and anger. Couldn't make those good decisions. A lot of people during the pandemic, when they're full of fear and even anger, anger directed at those unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Lock them up, put them in a compound, take them to a concentration camp. There were people who were ready to do that. You saw the polls on the front page of major newspapers like the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail. If I, if memory serves, at least one of those two papers ran that headline. 
and others as well. Just on full display. And there was fear and anger on the other side, too. And it comes back and nobody was really thinking straight. We're still not thinking straight. People think we, everybody thinks we're awake, that we're acting out of free will, and yet we're all being bombarded constantly with political advertising, all designed to manipulate our minds, keep us in line, solicit support. Martyrs. an effective strategy you see it happen a lot in political movements even people being arrested sometimes even on purpose to get street cred to make themselves look like a hero in the eyes of their supporters it's quite effective it has been but for some who witness a lot of this, and I'm hoping that many of you are among that group, you start to see things for what they really are. Propaganda, info war, mind manipulation, a struggle for power, ultimately. And unfortunately, regular everyday people like you and I, and more seriously, like Palestinian children being used as pawns. Absolutely disgusting. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. Let's move on talk about other stuff. This ain't going to end. We'll have, we have lots of time to talk about these wars. Unfortunately. Here's a story. I won't take credit for it because it's being reported by CTV. But I'll bring your attention to it. BC man, British Columbia convicted 21st time for impaired driving believed to be the most in Canadian history. How do you get arrested for impaired driving 21 times in this day and age? I guess you drive without a license because there, he must've lost his license. Abbotsford Police Department said it responded to a report of a motorcycle accident in the 1800 block of Clearbrook Road 
On August 15th, 2022, the owner of the motorcycle was known to police for having a history of prohibited and impaired driving offenses. Upon arrival, police arrival, a passenger of the motorcycle was being treated by first responders for serious injuries. The driver attempted to flee the scene. La, da, 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 da. The guy's name, 66-year-old Roy Heidi, or Hyde, arrested for driving while prohibited, and he was detained for an impaired driving investigation. Then another one, December 18th, 2023, pled guilty to impaired driving, driving while disqualified, and driving while prohibited, receiving a total sentence of four years and 354 days in jail for the incident. 21st conviction, which makes him, or they believe it makes him, the single most convicted person in Canada for impaired driving offenses. Does that get him into the Guinness Book of World Records? I don't know. And then police use this as an opportunity to draw attention to the ongoing problem with impaired drivers, saying 870 impaired drivers were removed from Abbotsford roadways in 2022, and nearly 800 impaired drivers have been removed so far in 2023. And we're not even into New Year's Eve yet. Well, that's an interesting and concerning story. Alcohol. Kind of a bit of a problem in our society still today. Um, what else do we have here for you? Many things still. It's just so much. Let's talk a little bit, shall we, about the top stories of uh, 2023. Oh, no, I have to talk about the um, the gold. Yes, the gold. Big box stores, believe it or not, are now selling gold. Costco, Walmart. They're selling gold. Here, I'll show you. Not that I'm trying to advertise for them. It's, I think, important because it shows that we are in Unprecedented economic times. Okay. Let me just uh, bring this up. Here's Costco's website. There they are. Selling gold. And uh, over there, you get your washing machine. And over there, they've got the optical department. And you can buy big boxes of vitamins. And now you can get your gold as well in bulk. Costco is a name that's actually synonymous with bulk purchases 
And according to the company's chief financial officer, they've raked in over $100 million in gold sales now in just a 12-week period. Walmart, not wanting to miss out on this op golden opportunity, <laughs> is in on this too. Now offering gold, silver, and platinum bars to U.S. consumers through their online platform. Now, in Canada, uh, this has turned into a bit of a big box gold rush. It's surprising to people like me. I never thought I'd see big box stores engaging in this. But you can buy gold bars and coins alongside. The detergent. <laughs> in Costco. You know, for a lot of people, gold has become a, a central part of a financial plan, a hedge against inflation. And we've seen, and, you know, especially in recent years with the pandemic and prior to that, even with the rise of um, political unrest, quantitative easing from central banks, governments, the diminishing value of the U.S. dollar, people rushing to gold and precious metals again as a source of financial stability as they look ahead to retirement or, you know, the years down the road when they're going to need a nest egg. I mean, traditional currencies and stocks, uh, people aren't so sure that they're actually going to be that stable, especially when you're, you're looking at de-dollarization, you're seeing pressure from the BRICS nations, which now challenge the United States, the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. I think that what we're looking at here going into 2024 is a a year where we're, we're likely to see a severe economic downturn of some kind. We're already seeing massive inflation. We know that the inflation is far greater than what is being reported at, you know, the, the Canadian and U.S. government saying, oh, no, inflation is like 4%, 5%, no, go to the grocery store, you're seeing that many items you're paying 30%, 40%, 50% more and for some items cumulatively from quarter fiscal quarter to fiscal quarter you're up around you know double even for many staple items compared to say a year and a half or even 2 years ago you're paying twice as much for a lot of things fuel too more expensive So what's the answer? Well, people are turning back to gold. And you look at who sponsors conservative media, Birch Gold, different companies that sell gold. We see that one of the most popular financial analysts 
on the internet today is Peter Schiff, who also advocates, pushes gold, precious metals as an investment all the time. Not a big fan of Bitcoin. Always pointing back to gold, 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 because it's the gold standard. It's where real stability is all through history. It's always been gold that has provided financial stability. It's always there. It always has value. Now, big box stores getting in on the act, too. Strange development. I I, I don't know what this is going to mean because I know a, a couple of people who actually engage in the sale of, they have businesses where they buy and sell precious metals and coins and such. And now with the addition of big box stores into that market, I'm not sure what it's going to do to now independent um, precious metals and coin dealers. When you look at what the big box stores have done to the retail sector, how they've basically destroyed mom and pop stores, devastated independent retailers, small businesses. Um, I have to, I have to think that maybe this is just one more step toward doing exactly that. Um, if these big box retailers take over that that market where they're they become basically retailers of precious metals and coins to the public, a lot of these other companies that are out there, I don't know if they're big enough to survive it. A lot of them are very rich anyway, so who knows? But it's an interesting development. We're gonna have to watch this and see how it develops, I guess, over the next year or two. That'll give us a better indication. Of how everything have of how everything is kind of going to roll out, um, but it, again, like Mark Zuckerberg building a bunker, a super duper bomb shelter, uh, spending what a couple hundred million on it, if, and then you've got big box stores now getting into the world of prepping by selling precious metals. You got to wonder, what do they know that we don't? Well, I think we know. Maybe they're just beginning to wake up and realize what's coming because maybe they're starting to pay attention to the very things that we're talking about right here, which is that we're on the cusp of a kinetic World War III. I should also, you know, say that, you know, in the past year, you go back about six months or so. What was I saying? I said that the narrative that people have been fed through the pandemic and the narrative that has been directed very specifically at the freedom movement to those who have become very, who have lost faith and confidence in government at our institutions, which is pretty much everybody over here, Right. But the narrative that was being fed to us by some, where the word elite kept being injected as they were referring and blaming all of these problems on the elites, the elites, the elites, the elites. In many cases, I said, the word elite 
will slowly be replaced with Jew by some of these people. Because I began to realize and recognize that the narrative that they were spreading has really been um, a modernized version of the old Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is an anti-Semitic document writing that formed the foundation and fueled so much anti-Jew activity well prior to World War II, the pogroms in Russia, and, uh, you know, the attacks on Jews around the world all over the place, it formed the, the basis, the, it provided the inspiration for Henry Ford to write his The International Jew, for him to publish The International Jew, um, which was, you know, extremely racist. Terrible stuff that extremely powerful, that document, which I bet you, I bet you a lot of you sitting out there right now, I'm telling you about this, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Admit it. <laughs> you don't know. You know why you don't know? Because it's been forbidden. Schools don't talk about it. They don't teach, about, teach you about it in school. At least they don't here in Canada because it's so dangerous. They don't want to talk about a lot of these things at all because if you even acknowledge that it exists, people will go and read it and then they might get sucked into it. And people have been sucked into it, but pulled down into to that particular rabbit hole. And what have, what's happened? And especially in the last, well, especially since October 7th, exactly what I said. Those guys, they've replaced that word elite with Jew. And I'm hearing people talk about it. Oh, the Jews control all the media. The Jews control all of the banking. The Jews control the pharmaceutical industry. The Jews are to blame for this. The Jews are to blame for that. It's so simplistic. It's pretty disgusting in itself. It's <laughs> you take a seed of truth here and a seed of truth there, and then you wrap the, the old standard anti-Semitic tropes around it. And it's been disguised over the past three years in particular and fed to people as a constant diet. Because why I'm convinced that, um, a lot of the people who point and say, look, they were planning the whole thing. A lot of them were involved in the planning. Nothing is as it seems, and everything is upside down. So upside down that it seems like it's back right side up, and you think you're awake. And when you think, as soon as you think you're awake, if you're really paying attention, you begin to realize that you've only got one eye open. And the next thing you know, you're saying things that a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, you would have been horrified to hear anybody saying, but now you're saying it yourself.
And when I say you, I mean many of us duped, brainwashed, sucked in, tricked. Listen to yourself talk and then ask yourself, would I have said that three years ago? If the answer is maybe not, then you might have been subjected to an MK Ultra mind control experiment on the internet. <laughs> Welcome to the end of 2023. What were some of the top stories in 2023? Well, the wars, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas. What I'm talking about right now, the information warfare itself is a top story related directly to it. Um, can't really tell what's real anymore. Why? Because of artificial intelligence, all the things we've just been discussing. Then we had those wildfires. That was unprecedented in the past year. And a lot of information warfare going on there, too. People blaming this group and that group. And where is what was one side brainwashed into thinking? I would say brainwashed into thinking that it was the direct result of climate change. And then on the other side, people think it's space lasers and the government exclusively doing it. You can believe what you want. <laughs> free thinkers, are we? I don't know if any of us are free thinkers. How can we be when our entire worldview is predicated on information flowing through the damn internet and we're just, you know, our reality is what we're told it is. I'm always questioning, always have, always, especially when I'm becoming more aware of bias and worldview as I, even going through journalism school, especially then I really kind of clued into it. And it's so difficult to know if anything that you think is real is even real. Even back then, when I was in my 20s. Wildfires, inflation, we just talked about that huge story in 2023, quantitative easing, government printing of money, mass immigration, putting pressure on all of our social services, our infrastructure, our institutions, our healthcare system in particular. The imminent, what appears to be the imminent collapse of the Canadian healthcare system, I would say it's under so much pressure. And if they continue to bring in more and more and more and more people, I don't know how we're going to provide service to people at all. And there was the evolution of the freedom movement in 2023. The deterioration of it attempts by some to keep it relevant, keep it alive, not so much redefine it, but find issues to keep it relevant, to keep it going, to keep people engaged, keeping in mind that it really became um, it really got traction because of the pandemic and concerns about rights, those concerns escalating with the lockdowns, the mask mandates, and the mandatory vaccinations and the censorship and the related issues surrounding all of that and then the Freedom Convoy and so on. But as things have changed over time, we've seen that um, those issues have been pushed to the side as people have tired of that. 
And we saw other issues like um, drag queen story time and LGBTQS plus, 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 whatever. Take center stage and the clashes in the streets for a while. That's where all those protests were for a while. Isn't it interesting how some of these things just kind of fade away? They kind of go through a cycle. You think it's all organic? Think it just happens on its own? Or is it choreographed? I would say probably choreographed. And other, you know, big issues, you know, the 15-minute cities and the people were jacked up about that. And then the Save the Children convoy. And everybody was going to save the children. See, save the children. It's all about saving the children. Save, save, save the children. Just... Because any political movement or government, military operation that can use children to get people charged up. Hmm. Boy, what could be worse than a bunch of Nazi child killers? That ought to get them riled up and get them down there and get them all ready to overthrow a government. <laughs> Jesus But I'm awake. I, I'm not trying to, you know, belittle anybody. I'm just saying it's powerful stuff. I totally get it, man. I totally get it. But take a step back all the time. Just take a step back and then say, who's trying to get me to do what? You want me to do what? But don't you want to save the children from termites? And the brain-eating turtles, whatever you were saving them from today. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I do want to save children. I'm against pedophilia. But I don't know. Like, what did you want me to do again? I'll just go over there and, well, I don't even have to say it. Whatever. Just keep your head screwed on straight is all I'm saying. Artificial intelligence. That's a, been a big story in 2023. Really becoming more of a, a story in the last half and really a bigger story in the last month that is accelerating that is going to be extremely disruptive to our entire way of life in 2024 look for major disruption look for even i think the beginning of serious job displacement as a result of the adoption of ai across various industries and look for pushback because this is going to affect white collar workers like lawyers, doctors, people who use brain power to make their living, even people like myself. Some might argue, but the whole, is he really using his brain? <laughs> I try. Those are some of the big stories of 2023. And there were more. So what's going to happen as we go into 2024? I just made a few notes kind of prior to coming on here. What are we going to see? We're going to see blood in the streets, I think. Because this is an election year. We're seeing lawfare being used now to try to stop Trump. A lot of that is show trial stuff, political theater. 
I think he will be the nominee. I think he will run. And I think that there is going to be, oh my goodness, we're going to see so much turmoil in the streets, so much chaos, so much conflict. I can't tell you exactly everything they have planned, but they've already got a plan. They're going to manipulate people. They're going to bombard people with information, informational manipulation, all designed to get people out of the streets and to fight. And they will. We will. We will fight. What we saw today with Kareem Asad, that's just a prelude of things to come. What will be the hot button issues? I do not know. But I think probably it will be related. A lot of these things will be related to these wars, the possibility of a third world war, if we're not already in it. It'll be related to a lot of these different things, and there will be something new. They've got something else planned, guaranteed. Look for it, you know, in the summer as the, uh, the campaigning and the, uh, the rhetoric and the protests really begin to ramp up. Midsummer, it's going to get hot. Hotter than ever before. There will be violence. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm, I hope not. I'm not calling for it in any way, but I'm pretty sure you're going to see it. I predicted that even the first time around when Donald Trump was running it right after he came down the escalator. You could see it then. 2016, 2015. I could see it coming. And this time especially. And it will be race-related. It will be Occupy-related, guaranteed. You're going to see Antifa out there. And you're going to see greater convergence between fascists and communists or neoliberal progressive wokesters, different strains. And I've been monitoring, you know, uh, some of the various political groups out there to get kind of a feel for where they're going to be at going into 2024 and guaranteed you're going to see more convergence on that, that side. And it's going to be very confusing to people because most people have been educated, told that, those guys are on the left, and those guys are on the right. And that they're enemies. No, they're going to come together. And I'm hearing it in the language that people are using even now. Um, so you're going to see more war escalation. You're going to see, I think, very soon, terror attacks of some kind on domestic soil here in Canada, the United States, probably in the U.S. Because of that people like that guy from who went was um that we told you about who was charged and we've seen intelligence reports in canada too where they're very concerned about it they're monitoring all of this they're aware and we see that emotions are running high so look for it don't be surprised in 2024 that's very likely coming i'll make that prediction you're going to see some sort of terror attack, and it probably will become an issue during the presidential election in the United States. Also, I think that Justin Trudeau will run. I think we will be into a fall election. 
I know that there are people who are positioning themselves within the Liberal Party to unseat him, to take his position as leader of the Liberal Party and, in their eyes, Prime Minister. We told you that he's under pressure to resign if his poll numbers do not improve, and that could happen sometime early in the new year. But I think he'll hold on and take another run at it. And even though we're seeing him slipping in the polls, we're seeing Polyev and the Conservative Party of Canada rising in the polls and really kicking the crap out of him in terms of public opinion. I think the election will end up being much closer than anybody is anticipating because the liberals are using the latest technologies, the newest techniques in terms of um, polling, psychographic polling, and messaging, political messaging, marketing, mind manipulation. Look for some sort of a big issue to be used to divide people again, and then he'll come at it hard. It will become extremely emotional. That will be one of the things that is used to get people into the streets to fight again. It will. He'll try to get people so emotional that he'll present himself as the only viable solution to radical ideologies, radical ideas from the other side. And he will paint his political opponents as radicals to try to persuade middle-of-the-road voters to come over to him because they won't want to be associated with Polyev. Look for it. And you're also going to see, you remember when they were doing that filibuster, that long session where they were opposed, they were opposing and voting against every single thing that the liberals put forward in their motion? But then it ended up passing anyway. And there were aid packages for this and support for this. And so they were against everything. You will see that used against the conservatives in the upcoming campaign because they're going to list all of the things that the conservatives voted against that would have been normally things they would have supported. And people are going to be scratching their heads. Polly, I've voted against that. They were only voting against it because they were trying to defeat the carbon tax stuff unsuccessfully. So the liberals financial plan, they were just, oh, no, we're just going to filibuster and vote against every every single part of it. And uh, they're going to use that. And people are going to go, wow, well, we can't vote for him. They voted, they voted against that. You mark my words. And you're going to see further development, evolution within the freedom movement itself in Canada in the coming year. There will be additional attempts to keep it relevant in the minds of people and to bring people back over into the fold to stand in opposition to the government. There will be, this is my prediction, a more concerted effort to create a parallel parallel communities, parallel economic system, and people will be encouraged and will be even be funneled into it by people on the freedom side. And yet, ironically, well, they are sounding the alarm bell over things like central bank digital currencies. You mark my words, you're going to see 
some sort of a shift toward the use of cryptocurrencies by the freedom movement itself or some some people within the freedom movement. And that will be put forward as an alternative or a solution to the current economic system so that you can disengage and decouple from it. And I think I think you're going to see some sort of an effort in that regard. And so the very people who are saying don't use digital currencies are going to offer you up some sort of a digital currency. I'm telling you. I'm not entirely opposed to digital currencies. I'm just saying, be careful what you put your money into. Um, and who you give it to. We're going to see further revelations about the electrification of the auto industry. We're already beginning to see it. This is really going to come to a head in 2024. Here's an example from just today. The environmental costs of EV batteries that politicians don't tend to talk about. This article here from the CBC also reported on Yahoo News. They're acknowledging here that uh, <laughs> there's no plan at all to deal with the scrap batteries anywhere in Canada or the U.S. No real plan. And yet they're toxic. Laden with all kinds of toxic materials that could easily leach into soil and cause all kinds of environmental damage and not a single plan, real plan in place anywhere to deal with with the waste. And so the true cost of these EVs still not even really known. So you're going to see more revelations about it and they're not going to care. They're going to keep on pushing anyway. They're going to push ahead as long as Trudeau is in power and Biden. They have too much invested now to turn back. And it's already turning into a disaster. You're going to see more QE, quantitative easing, which means more money printing, which means more inflation, which means your purchasing power will be diminished. And so even though you have these left-wing champagne socialists, these neoliberal wokesters, these uh, tax and spend liberals are sitting up there saying, we're for the little guy. We're going to help the middle class. They're lying. They'll continue to lie into 2024 because they're going to print more money. And even though they'll sit there and say, but we gave you a higher minimum wage, it does not matter because it's just taken away by inflation. Your additional spending power just evaporated. Makes no matter. And if you've done the responsible thing through your life and you've saved for your retirement and you're a senior on a fixed income, you're going to be screwed. If you ain't screwed already, and a lot of people probably going to lose their homes because they won't be able to pay to be able to afford the increased mortgage payments as interest rates increase inevitably in order to deal with the rising inflation. Going to see a lot more of it. And that may just be the pin that pops the current economic bubble. And, you know, everything has changed. 
I noticed it a lot over Christmas when I had some opportunity to spend some time with people who are on the other side of the political spectrum, who think they're the ones who are awake. And they think that because they're getting a completely different set of information. The narrative they're being fed is entirely different. Totally woke. And the people that I spoke to over the holidays out in the uh, real world had the opportunity to spend some time with, totally obliv oblivious to most of anything that I was even talking about. Didn't know names, didn't know political agendas, didn't know, understand what I was talking about when it came to geopolitics, didn't understand anything about what was going on with the freedom movement itself, completely out of touch, not a clue to what was even going on, dismissing all of it as sort of fringe stuff that they don't need to pay attention to because they've been told not to pay attention to it. And in their social media feeds, it's very interesting when I talk to them, they, they get fed entirely different stuff. Nothing that is fed to me. Now, I go out of my way to go and look at stuff from the other side. So I'm kind of clued in. I look at the MSM. I go out of my way to find stuff from all, you know, people with completely opposing political views because I need to know what they're thinking, what they're doing. But when I talk to the average person, no, people have changed as a result. It's it's a lot of this really amplified, more pronounced after the pandemic. That pandemic, man, that was used to change people in terrible ways. It's divided families, divided people. People don't even think the same anymore. And that's why I say to you, ask yourself, some of the things that you're saying right now, would you have said them two or three years ago? Or would you have been like, wait a minute, what did that guy say? But then you're saying it yourself. If you're really honest with yourself, I think some of us might, might be, if you, you can look at it objectively, you might think, yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe I am being manipulated more than I realize. I, anyway, I just really took note of it because, again, it's, it, it's this guy over here has a truth, and then there's another truth on this side. It seems like we're all being funneled toward a single destination. And when I say that, I mean, people are going to get out into the streets in 2024, and they're going to protest like hell. They're going to shout and they're going to scream and they're going to decry authoritarianism on both sides. The very things that they'll be screaming and complaining about will actually be the same things, but they'll be looking at it from a completely different perspective. Everybody's going to want to save the children. Whether you're on the left or the right or the middle or whatever, wherever you're coming from politically, you're going to be out there. You're going to be wanting to save the children. We saw it. I've been watching it. Everybody's been out there trying to save the children. The people protesting at these LGBTQ drag queen story time protests, the people over there um, advocating for the drag queen story times in the schools, they're like, oh, we have to save the children from the radicals on the right because... These children, they're dying because 
they're not getting their gender reassignment surgery and it's causing depression and they're killing themselves and we have to stop that and we have to save the children. Save the children, save the children. Save the children, save the children. And then on the other side, we're all told we have to save the children from the people and the thing. And then they, and they got the other thing there and they did. And then if they do that and then they get the jab thing and then they're all dead and then, then got to save the children from the pedophilias and the tunnels under the earth and save the children, save the children. Everybody's out there trying to save the children. Why are you here? I'm here to save the children. No, you're not. I'm here to save the children. We're all here to, everybody's out there fighting to save the children. But the other side doesn't really mean it, see. Save the children. Be more of that in 2024, for sure. I want to save the children too, but from real things and not in a way that I'm being manipulated to do stupid things. Everything is upside down. Yeah. Yeah. So my goal, 2024, is going to be to try to stay sane, try not to get sucked too deep down into any rabbit holes where I might lose my mind, and my perspective to try to stay grounded so that I can assess the news on a day-to-day basis and current events in a way that helps get all of us closer to the truth. I'm going to continue to advocate for free speech. I'm going to try to remain consistent in my views and stay true to my values. And I think I am. Certainly I'm on a journey like all of you. And I'm not perfect and I'm not always right about everything. I'm just doing my best. In the face of this information onslaught. As we all are. And we're taking this journey together. 2023, it's been one hell of a ride. Exploding buildings, cars crashing into border crossings at over 100 miles per hour, Bentleys. With no real explanation as to why. Multiple people breaking into RFK Jr.'s home, potential assassins talk of Trump being a target for assassination, lawfare being used. The list goes on. How much weirder can things get? We've seen. We've seen a lone gunman go into an amusement park wearing body armor, heavily armed, scribbling I am not a killer on a washroom wall and then killing himself in 2023. Don't tell me people aren't being triggered using mind control techniques.
And don't tell me, after seeing the intelligence reports that I've seen, that foreign governments aren't involved in some of this, that foreign governments haven't infiltrated some of our institutions, maybe all of them, and our government itself. Not to say that everything is our government's fault, but I think we've got infiltration. We've got outside forces at play. We've seen it ramped up in 2023. You can't tell me that's not the case because when I see efforts to direct information or maybe redirect or misdirect information through infiltration thrust into even movements like QAnon where people are being told that the Russians and Chinese are here to help us. <laughs> True. It's, I, I showed you on this show in 2023. I showed you. They're here to help us. If they're here in any regard, they're not here to help us. They're here to engage in activities that serve their own interests, the pursuit of power or the, um, the tearing down of, of our country. They're not here to help us, if indeed that is the case, if they're here at all. But I think they are through your screen right now, right? Not so much here, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody's sending me. No, no, that's not. No, just checking messages coming in to see what we've got going on. Um, anyway. going to be a wild ride in 2024 too only even worse it's not going to be not going to be a smooth one it's going to be a rocky road it is oh yeah so fasten your seatbelts folks the fun has just begun i'll try to be back tomorrow night new year's eve Last day of 2023. How much worse can it get? That's what I ask myself every night before I go to sleep. Then I wake up. And I will be awake tomorrow. Maybe we'll be a little wider awake by the time we get to the end of 2023. And hopefully a little bit wiser so that we can navigate properly through 2024 in a way that allows us to survive both any kind of kinetic war that might come our way and this ongoing, unprecedented fifth generation warfare information war that continues. I can only say that tomorrow night when I return, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'll be doing my best to uh, defrag your mind and provide an antivirus program for your minds. 
on the flip side. See you tomorrow night. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.